Yeah, as we're saying then is that uh, this is where God sets the standardness, his standard of holiness, right? It's the law of God. And of course, um, only one sin is enough to send us to hell, right? And so in this, we are given the fact that all sin and all fall short of the glory of God, and therefore, in order for us to be saved, we need a Savior. This is all in the first five books of the Bible, and that's what sets the standard for the rest of the Bible. So, uh, and in your in your uh, Bible, you know the first five. Anybody name them? Can you name them? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There you go. And if you have uh, kids in uh, in our Kingdom Kids or something, they're memorizing their books. So yeah. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So. Uh, Genesis is the book of beginnings, creation, man, sin, redemption, God's nation. Exodus, God delivers his people from Egypt. Leviticus, God sets the standard for the people worshiping him. And we see the holiness of God and the cost of sin. And then Numbers, God's people continually disobey and wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And then Deuteronomy is Moses' great discourse to prepare Israel to enter the promised land. So let's look at some of the verses in the Old Testament then that uh, point to Jesus. First prophecy. Uh, could you read that for us, Mike? And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise him on the hill. I'm sorry. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Yes. All right. So, who is speaking here? God. God, right? And and who is he speaking to? Satan. Speaking to Satan. And what does the word seed refer to? Offspring. Yeah, it's the offspring, right? And then, so who is the seed of Satan? Who's the seed? All men. All men who reject God. That's the seed of Satan, right? And then who is the seed of the woman? Jesus. It's Jesus, right? And then those saved by him. But here's the question. Uh, does the woman have a seed? Where does the seed come from? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Well, in this case, it's going to be the Holy Spirit. But normally you say, where does the seed come from? The seed always comes from the man. And then throughout nature... The seed always comes from the male of the species, right? And so the seed is then given to the female, and then from that comes a, a, a new generation. But in this case, we're saying the seed of the woman, and this is, is looking forward to the virgin birth, right? Because a woman doesn't have her own seed. And so when it says the seed of the woman, how does she get it? Well... She doesn't have a seed, but the seed is implanted by the Holy Spirit. It is without a man, without a human involved. Right? This is because the sin nature is carried out by the seed. That's right. That's right. And you get deeper into this. That if if Jesus was born of a man, meaning his father was a was human, what would then happen to Jesus? He would have been born with sin because the sin nature goes through the male seed right and so this is why 
this first prophecy. This is the first prophecy in the Bible referring to Jesus Christ. And that's in uh, 315, right? Yeah. And then, of course, what does it say when uh, bruise you on the head? What is that referring to? It's a fatal. That's a fatal blow to Satan, right? And, and, then, and then, of course, bruise him on the heel. He's going to be resurrected. Yeah, he's going to suffer and he's going to die, but it's not a blow unto death, right? Not the type of death, an eternal death, so. All right. Uh, uh, let's see here. Can you read this one for us? Um, sure. Um, mm -hmm. And Andrea? you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. Oh, I'm at the top one too. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize. The whole thing. <laughs> I thought you added it. Sorry. Uh, this is Exodus 12, 23 through 27. For the Lord will pass through to smite Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. Right, and so uh, I think we'll look at the next one quickly. Uh, which follows up on that. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall observe this right. And when your children say to you, what does it mean? You shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. And of course, when we talk about Jesus as being the Passover lamb, right? So here we go back in the Old Testament, you have this term Passover. And in the New Testament, you have John the Baptist saying it, right? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, so he called him the Lamb of God. And they referred to the Passover Lamb as that which in, in, during the Exodus was, was the blood put on the, on the lintel and the head, uh, I mean the uh, post to save so that the, the angel of death would pass by. Now, I just want you to make note of something. Um, so you have the lamb, and they sacrifice the lamb, and they collect the blood, right? And then they take a hyssop branch, and they put it on the outside of the door. Now, just, uh, I'm, I'm locked in here, so I can't, <laughs> I'm stuck. So, but if you have uh, just this in your mind, I want you to visualize and tell me what I'm doing. So here's the bowl of blood, here's the hyssop branch, and I'm dipping it in here, and I'm going to put it on the post, right? And I'm going to put it on the lintel. What is that symbol? It's a symbol of a cross way back in the Exodus. Right? So they'll do it, they'll dip it here on this side, and then they'll dip it and they'll do it over here again. Big sign of the cross. Right? They're pointing forward to the time when the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, will put an end to, uh, to all Passovers, right? I found that fascinating when I first started learning uh, that Jesus himself was sacrificed during Passover. Yes. That just amazed me. Right, right. And so interesting that you bring that up is that at the time he is being sacrificed as the Passover lamb, all the lambs that are used for the Passover are also all being sacrificed. It's at the same time. Right? Yeah. It's... Uh, God is, God is a God of very specific details. And we don't pick those all up 
you know, you can read over something and never make that, uh, that correlation between what's going on, but it's amazing, uh, all of that. Yes, Ray? I did a study, I got a file on it, but it, the Pharaoh's heart being hardened occurs 11 times. Mm -hmm. Two are he hardened his heart, three are just passive, his heart was hardened, the rest were all God hardened his heart. God hardened his heart. Right. So God was behind all this. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it was his sovereign act that brought it about. Right, and it's like it's like uh, Judas. You know, it says uh, about Judas yeah. that uh, um, that it was predestined for this to happen. But woe to that man by yes. whom he caused it. Right. So. Okay. So Old Testament, we have the history books. Right, twelve of those. And those in order. Um, so the history books written between 1400 and 450 BC describe God's dealing with his chosen people, Israel, the Hebrew nation. Right? And so in order, they're uh, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Right? Uh, out of all of these books, anybody have a particular... <coughs> Uh, a particular part of these books that are, you know, memorable, that stand out in your mind, that's kind of favorite, a favorite like passage, Esther. like Esther, yeah, Esther's a great book, we went over that, Ruth, Ruth is a great, so Esther we went over a year ago, right here, and uh, our, uh, our pastor went over the whole, it was fascinating, this is great, yeah. if you get this, if you can get the, uh, uh, the videos or the tapes or the audio on that to go through it again, it's just great, and then, and then the book of Ruth, which is, uh, again, it's, it's illustrative of a, a principle in the Bible, but Ruth goes to her kinsman redeemer, right? And that's because she, and, uh, she is in another land, and was it a famine or I guess a famine, and, and there, her husband dies, uh, and she's literally left alone with her, with her uh, mother-in-law, Naomi. Yeah, the Moabite, and so Gentile, but anyway, so she goes with her mother-in-law, who is a Jew, and then she comes to, uh, back to where the, the, the Jews are living, and then there is a relative who, through, um, you know, the history, and not history, but the um, custom, but also part of the law, though, is that uh, a person can go to their kinsman redeemer. Uh, and that kinsman redeemer then is uh, a, a relative or a cousin or in line and can marry that person or um, claim her, take over their, their um, debts and things like that. And so Ruth goes to her kinsman redeemer and she ends up getting married. And so this is and then Ruth, of course, is in line, is in the succession line of Jesus, you know, Jesus' birth. But here you have a, you have a Gentile woman who is outside of, of Israel, who then becomes grafted in to, uh, to the, the Israel or the Hebrew nation. And it's again, it's another picture of God and His mercy grafting in the Gentiles in the world into His family. And it, again, this is back in the Old Testament, but you can see that and what's going on there, and you can look forward to how it's going to take place in you know our day and age. So it's just amazing. Uh, any other books that uh, 
um, stand out. How about Joshua? You know, there's a great, great verse, Joshua 1.8, right? Uh, and it says, uh, um, choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a great verse, great verse. Nehemiah is pretty important. Nehemiah, yes, it's yeah. big stuff there too. It's all great. <laughs> so, but anyway, okay, let's move on. Uh, poetry books, right, is psalm and wisdom, right? So the five books are poetic, describing uh, in poetry and uh, song God's greatness and his dealings with men, right? So uh, these books are very personal, uh, describes the struggle of each man, and we can relate to them as we are struggling with exactly the same issues. Right? Who is that one who said, there's nothing new under the sun? Solomon. Yeah, right, Solomon. So, and it's a, what they had to deal with in terms of their heart and their sin and think, this is here today. It's the same stuff. It doesn't change, right? Uh, and so David, the great king, sinned by committing adultery and murder. He failed as a father and a husband, yet at the end of his days, God declared him to be a man of God. And these books give us hope and help, uh, help helps us praise our God gives us instruction, it sets our priorities in our life, and it relates to our joy in our marriages. And so, um, how about these, these particular books? Any book that sticks out in your mind that uh, you carry verses or memorize verses from? Well, Job's probably the earliest book written. Yes. Because it never mentions Israel or right. uh, Abraham or anything. Right, 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 right. And what about that? Is it you know, the dialogue between Job and God. And what's that great question that, that God asked Job? He said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world, right? Yeah, it's just... It's, and it's Job great. repented. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> All of his arguments were thrown out. His arguments were thrown out, right? Yeah, and in the book of Psalms, of course, in Proverbs, just wisdom. Um, so there's great. And Ecclesiastes, just the emptiness of an, of an earthly life without God. Right? This is vanity is vanity. All is vanity. It's just chasing the wind is literally what it amounts to. And uh, people who live simply for the pleasures of the world, in the end, it just, it's a vapor. It goes up in smoke, right? Literally, literally. Okay. Uh, and then you have the major prophets, right? And so why are they called the major prophets? Because they're generally longer than the writings of the minor prophets. It's not that they're less important or more important. It's just that the amount of material. So... Uh, major prophets then, written between 750 and 550 BC, right? And the, in these books, we see God's judgment on the nation who persistently disobeyed God by breaking the laws of God. They're expelled from the land uh, with the prophets announcing judgment on the nation. Yet it is also books of hope because God promises the Redeemer, the Savior who would come not only to restore the nation uh, Israel, but also to the Gentiles. And uh, so who are the major prophets then? There's uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And uh, anybody um, of these particular books, anything that, that you're, is your is favorite about it or verses you retain, memorize from there? Well, Isaiah wrote, in the most advanced language style. So he was apparently from an upper class family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although in the end, he was sawed in half. <laughs> right. It was the custom. Yeah. yeah. But as interesting is that Ray oh, okay. makes a point. So when uh, in doing Bible study, one of the things that, um, you know, Bible scholars will do is they will look at 
um, individual writing styles. And from that, you can ascertain certain things about the writer, the writer himself. And um, in Isaiah's case, being the way he writes, you can tell he is from a maybe upper class, higher, higher class, uh, educated more than his contemporaries are. And um, so, and God prepares everybody for his purposes. And so Isaiah is prepared specifically, and he but writes Isaiah that. Isaiah is quoted the most of any of the prophets. In, in the New in Testament, the New Testament. Yes, yes, he is. And, and just, you know, the whole book of Isaiah. And of course, interesting, Here's a, uh, just, this is a freebie. What, what book or what chapter in Isaiah is the chapter that is never read in a synagogue, Jewish synagogue? 53. 53, right? That's what I was just going to say. That's my favorite. Is it? Well, it's all marked. That's because we used to sing it. Right? That hits. Yeah. The Jews never read it. Never read it. And why? Because it's Christ. Because it points to Christ. It says who Christ is. And they, Clearly. I mean, it's right? so clear. So, but they won't read it because they are... Still blinded by God. Yeah. Yeah. Willingly blinded. Willingly, right? Yeah. Then they will look upon him who they have pierced, right? So. Lamentations is good to Jeremiah's sufferings. Oh, yeah. And the prophecies in, in these books. So many prophecies pointing to the future, right? Daniel. So in Daniel's prophecy, and this is, this is key because the Jewish scholars... Right of uh, at, Jew, at Jesus's time, you had the you had the scribes and you had the Pharisees, all part of the Sanhedrin, and they're supposed to be the experts. They're supposed to know their Bible. They're supposed to be, um, you know, the familiar with prophecies and things. But you know what they missed? They missed the entrance of the Messiah into Jerusalem, right? And be, and Jesus himself, because of that proclaimed a judgment on them and he said because uh well, what does it say because you missed the day of his revealing and that's not that's a paraphrase but literally if you do the math in the in the book of daniel it tells you exactly when the messiah is entering jerusalem and they missed it they missed it. the scholars of the time the hebrew scholars who knew their bible front you know what they had the old testament front and back they didn't have that prophecy down, and they should have because it was clearly said 1,260 days. Well, the wise men of the East came. They knew the signs. That's right. You they know? knew the signs, and where did they get that from? That, well, they got it from Daniel, Daniel. because the, the Magi, Daniel was, when he was captured uh, with the rest of the, of the Jews and taken into um, the... Uh, Babylon, Babylon, as part of Babylon captivity. So Daniel had literally worked his way up into the uh, <coughs> ruling structure of the Babylonians, and he got up to the second in command or third, third in the kingdom. But through the uh, prophecies that Daniel gave out, all of the magi who were part of that ruling class at the time, they heard of a coming Messiah. And so they kept that information and when the time came, they went looking for the king. They remembered. Not they not. remembered. Yeah. And so they're the Babylonian magi, and they knew when Messiah is coming, but the Jews did not. Weren't what does that they, tell you? Weren't the Jews looking for like the military general? Right. They were looking for their Messiah to overthrow Rome. Yeah, which right. he will do. He will do. That's later. <laughs> 
Anyway, so there's a lot. They were, they were called satraps also. The sat, yeah. And, um, but they were astrologers and astronomers, that, you know, and they, they did prophecies like that. But Daniel was sort of the leader of them. And uh, so the, the star of Bethlehem mm -hmm. isn't necessarily a star. No. Aster is the word, yeah. which means something in the sky. And there's a, a book uh, written by a lawyer that he researched very carefully, and it's called The Star of Bethlehem. It's a video. And uh, it's astounding because there's so many prophecies built into this yeah. thing. <laughs> it's just one after another after another, but it's just it's fascinating. And the fact that the Jews themselves missed the day of their Messiah coming. And, the, and the wise men came from the east, which would be Babylon. Yes. You know? Yes. So they east. were remnants of the old. Right. Great, any great stuff to, to really delve into this. Okay, so then uh, we have the minor prophets, right? Uh, last 12 books of the Old Testament, and they're written between 840 B.C. all the way up to 400 B.C. And so you have Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah, Haggai. Okay, so... Um, these guys, and they continue the announcements of judgments and the declaration of the restoration of the nation. And of course, we know why they're called the minor prophets is because they just wrote less, right? Uh, and of these books, think about this, of these books, which one is most known by everyone, including non-believers? Jonah. Jonah, right? Why? Because <laughs> the great fish. Right? Oh, I saw, I forgot Zechariah and Malachi. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, sorry. I just had to pause right there, but Zechariah and Malachi. Um, but yeah, so Jonah and because of the great fish, right? And so what do people say about that? When they point to the Bible, it's like, oh, that's the first thing they'll point to. That's oh, really? Tale. That's a fairy tale. The Bible has fairy tales. A big a fish. A whale, can't a whale can't swallow a human. But a whale shark can. That's a whale shark. It was a sea creature anyway, right? And, and it just said, God prepared a great fish. That's what it said, a great fish. And so this is a real picture. This is a, um, this is not like blown up and show, this is just, and this is a, uh, this is a whale shark, which is a giant filter feeder. It's not, it's not a whale, it's a fish. It's a fish, right? It's called a whale shark, but because of size more than likely. Uh, but here's just some, uh, here's some stats, okay? Is that the average adult whale shark is 40 feet long, some as long as 60 feet. They can weigh between 15 and 20 tons. Now, okay, so here you go. A blue whale, though, by comparison, can be as large as 100 feet long. 100 feet long. That's like from here to the end of the building. And um, it can weigh as much as 45 to 65 tons. And so clearly, there are animals in the sea now that can devour a human whole right now. And there have been, there have been documented cases where the people out in the ocean got swallowed up by one of these big, huge sure. uh, filter feeders. And, you know, they go down in the gullet and then the thing come, they come back out. But, um, you know, God prepared, it says, God prepared a great fish. Yeah. So he, he can do anything he wants to do. And he, he made it big enough so that... Jonah could go down inside the belly of the whale or the, uh, the fish and spend three, spend three days, days in there. You know, I mean, we could talk about that, uh, that prophecy a little bit, but you think about this is that, you know, he goes up to Nineveh, right? And he just says to them in, was it 60 days? Was it 60 days? 80 days. 60 days. Literally says, repent or in 60 days you're toast. Now, 
They look at this guy. What do you think they see? What does he look like? He smells. Yeah, so, you know, he's, yeah, so Jonah, he gets in, first of all, God tells him to go to Nineveh, which Jonah doesn't want to do because the, the Ninevites were merciless when it came to their treatment of Jews. They used to skin them alive. They tortured them. It's just horrible. Um, and so he says, I'm not going there. And he gets on a ship and heads towards Tarshish, which is Spain's opposite direction. And he gets three days out into sail, and then you know the big the tempest comes, and they draw lots, and so they throw him overboard, and the great fish takes him, and whoosh, delivers him up, and whoosh, vomits him up right on the shore. And it's like, well, okay, I guess I got to go to Nineveh. So what does he look like after being three days inside the belly of a great fish? What's going on in there? Stinks. Stinks, number one. What do your skin look like after you've been in a, in, in a swimming pool for an hour or two, right? Just wrinkly, crinkly, and, and just it's, it's, it's appealing, and it's all your skin just like white, and it's – and then you got the acids in there. What did it do to his hair? So it's, everything's bleached. Right? I mean, I don't know what he looked like, but I'm going to tell you he didn't look like us. Right? And then he had to walk up to Nineveh, and he walks in there, and who knows what he smells like, but they just look at this guy. He's a ghost. I mean, he's just pale, and who knows what else. And he gets up there, and he just says, repent, repent or, or die. That's all he said. He didn't want to give a big you know, gospel sermon or something. He just said, repent or die. And that's about what happened. And, so. they, did. and they repented. Yeah, right. You look at that guy. Say, Was that what happened to you? So, yeah. So, you know, you think about it. You kind of delve into that a little bit. And it's like, well, yeah. You can so see God they're, they're, they're right. Yeah. But God is the one who grants repentance, right? But he uses men for that purpose. Jonah right? was a fundamentalist. Repent or die. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it was such a simple message. It was such a simple message. It was. Clearly, yeah. God had already uh, yeah. worked on them. Yeah, yeah. And then he repented, right? And so for eighty for the uh, uh, eighty years or so, they um, they continued to follow, you know, God. And but then after that, they went back to the and then they were they were destroyed. So. So then the New Testament, uh, and so by the way, how many, how many books in the New Testament? 27. How many in the Old Testament? 39. 39. Three times nine equal 27. If you ever want to just kind of do an easy way to remember old and new. 30, just have to remember 39, and then three times nine is 27. That's how many in the new. Well, it helped me when I was... No, I get it. All right, so uh, in the New Testament then, uh, we talk about the New Covenant, which reveals Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of men. And in it, we find the life of Christ, the way of salvation, the beginning of Christianity, uh, in instruction for Christian living, and then God's plan for the future. And so, again, so we, in the Old Testament, we have a certain pattern of how uh, the books are laid out in the New Testament. It's, it's similar, right? So you have the history books, and how many of them there are five, and what are they? The Gospels and Acts. The Gospels and Acts, right? So Matthew, Mark. Luke and John. And so if you look at the, the, the Gospels, Matthew is about the life of Christ, written especially for the Jews, revealing Jesus Christ as their promised king. Uh, Mark is the life of Christ, revealing Jesus as the obedient servant of God. Luke is the life of Christ, revealing Jesus as the perfect man, emphasizing his humanity. 
And then John is the life of Christ, revealing Jesus as the Son of God, stressing his deity. So each one of those books focuses on a different aspect of who Jesus Christ is. So, um, so and kind of in the same way, you have, uh, sorry, let me go back one. You have the uh, Pentateuch in the, in the New Testament. It's similar. You have the five history books, uh, which is the four plus then the four Gospels plus the book of Acts, right? And so in the New Testament, what two reasons are given for writing the, uh, John's Gospel? That you may believe in eternal life. Right? So that you, number one, that you may believe that, he, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And secondly, um, that believing ye might have life through his name. Two, two good reasons. And that's also 1 John 5.13 says that these things I've written to you that you may know you have eternal life. So when people say, well, I don't know if you can know that. Do you, can you really know about whether you're going to go to heaven or not? Yeah, you can because in 1 John he wrote it. He wrote these things so that we may know that we have eternal life. 1 John is about 20 diagnostics in there. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, you, you go through that. This is fabulous, fabulous. So we're not called to have blind faith. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so we can get that. Anyway, okay, and then the, in Acts, it's the beginning, beginning of the spread of the Christian church, right? So that's history. Um, and that gives the account of God's redemption of man. It was not only for the Jews, but how the Gentiles, me and you, uh, we were included in God's grace. So, and then the letters or the epistles, there's 21 books, and these are written to either individuals, churches, or believers in general. Okay? Uh, and they show mankind how he can be saved. It spells out God's plan of salvation. And it's different from the mere outward trappings of religion uh, to a living relationship available to all who believe in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's letters, 13 books, right? So Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd uh, Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. So uh, I'm just going to give you an, an, another freebie for remembering what order these go in because, you know, in, in Sparks, Sawana, uh, I think it was uh, uh, not, not Drew. Yeah, what was Drew's? Uh, what was? No, Drew, right? Drew. Yeah. And it was. Yeah, Drew and um, Oh, yeah. So Drew was the woman, right? The, the, yeah. yeah, so Drew, she had this one. Try to remember it, but to remember uh, when she's trying to help the kids remember which order the Bible, uh, the books came in, she would start with uh, um, Ephesians, no Galatians, and then Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, because the kid would get those mixed up, right? So she said, "Well, just take the first word, first letter off of each one of those, and you can make a little acronym." So she said, "The go eat popcorn." <laughs> I've always heard General Electric power. Or, or General Electric, yeah, if you're on the East Coast. So. But go eat popcorn. Help you remember which, uh, which order those by, four by books way, come in. Yeah. I, I counsel people, my own opinion. It's, you get a new Christian, where do you start? Don't start in Genesis. Don't right. start in Matthew, because Matthew's very Jewish. Start with Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, because they're all short books, but you will get a load of doctrine. A ton of it, right? And all of that about how, as a Christian, we should now behave yes. being born again. What's the change? And the first two, half to two-thirds is, is doctrine. The last part is 
Yeah. How do you live? How you walk, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Okay. So next we have um, other, other authors. Uh, the eight books are Hebrews. And by the way, do we know who wrote Hebrews? No. We, we, not definitively. Lots of speculation. But um, if God wanted us to know, it would have been included, right? Uh, so it was Hebrews to the Hebrew Christians. The Hebrew Christians, though, right? So Hebrews, James, first, uh, J James, uh, first and second Peter, uh, first, second, and third John, Jude, and then our last prophecy book is the Book of Revelation, right? You missed one. Did I? No, it's in there. Did I it's leave in the thirteen books? You didn't call yeah, it in there. Oh. Jude, hey. It's in the back. But I don't have one on my slide, huh? Do it's I? It's under Paul's 13 books. Oh, it was oh, one of Paul's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Previously. I didn't go in order. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> Paul's and then... Uh, okay, and then the, the pro last one, uh, the prophecy book talks about the return of Christ, the reign of Christ, the glory of Christ, future state of believers and unbelievers. And, of course, that book is called... Revelation, right? Is it Revelations? No. Revelations. <laughs> yeah. People always say... In the book of Revelations, it's one revelation, one revelation, one continuous revelation. Yeah, you get that up from where we're from, Revelations. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of an idiom as well, right? They're still being revealed. Still being revealed, then. If it's a Revelations, maybe it's on. I have a bad habit of doing that, too. That's why I always heard it. You heard it that way, is that there's continued Revelations? Yeah, it's the Revelations of Jesus Christ. Yeah. No more. So, um, but we would say that the canon is closed, right? That God has given us everything that we need. And first, uh, first, uh, first Peter three seven. What does that say? First Peter three seven. If you have memories, it says, "By His divine power, He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness." So we have His complete His complete Word, which is everything we need for, for life and godliness. And so. Anyone who comes out and says, and this is, this is critical because we even tell us to our, uh, our um, kingdom kids at night. Jack does a great job at that. Um, but when someone says, I had a dream last night and in my dream Jesus told me. No. Or, I was, or Benny Hinn, I was just sitting there and the Holy Spirit came in and spoke to me. Hmm. So these people are, they're lying. They're making it up because... There is no new revelation. Or they've been deceived. Or they've been deceived, one of the two. Um, but God's word is clear. And what we, what we have is the complete, uh, complete Bible. There's no new revelation. And so if somebody comes and says that they have something new, it's either going to agree with the Bible, in which it's not new, or it's going to be extra biblical, which then it's not true. Right? Because the Bible is the source of all truth. And if it's not if it's not in agreement with the Bible, then it's not true. And if they're making something else, it's wrong. Yeah, of course. So, okay, so let's look at some dates here uh, that give you time periods and um, who was alive during these periods. Okay, so you have the creation to the flood. And notice uh, you have Adam, and then there's a... a, a a gap, slight gap between Adam and Noah. So then Noah was born after 
Adam died. But we'll show some other, another, another slide that's going to do an overlay and, and where, people, uh, where people lined up in their ages and how easily Adam would be able to pass on by word of mouth information about what happened in the garden and sin and God's promises to all of his descendants. So, anyway, so you have Adam and, and Noah, you have the flood, you have the uh, uh, arrival in, in Egypt, and then the Exodus and the start of the period of the kings, and it goes all, this one goes all the way up to early Christianity, and you can add all that up, and it's 4197, from the birth of Adam all the way up until right around the beginning of, or just before Jesus Christ. Okay? 4,197 years. Then, the next slide here. Okay, now you can see, notice the overlap there of all, the, all of the people, right? So you have Adam, and you have, so Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kian, Mahalel, Jared, Enoch, all the way up to Noah. And you notice that this overlap goes all the way up to here. So then Lamech could actually have heard directly from Adam what would have happened, but so could all of these other folks, and then they could have easily told that to Noah. These are just the ages that we get right out of the Bible. So Adam was how old when he died? Too old. Two hundred sixty. Well, you know, his body was way better than our body at nine thirty or whatever. I mean, even if you know, I mean, so and of course, why? What happened? You notice the flood. Well, we don't have on another slide. The previous slide we had the flood, but you could notice is that after the flood, the ages. Uh, or the lifespan and duration get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Right? It's a lot of speculation about why, but all of this up to the flood, it was a totally different earth environment. Right? They lived in a, you know, kind of a canopy. There was no rain before Noah, so not rain like we have. There's kind of a mist that would come down, but there's speculation that there, uh, the atmosphere at that time was maybe two times as dense as ours, and as a result, it carried double the amount of oxygen, and oxygen is what helps you grow, right? Helps, you re helps your body uh, heal, and so there's lots of speculation to why, uh, what were the environment and environmental factors. And the second thing that happens over time, I guess, is that uh, you remove the canopy, and then what we are exposed to is sunlight. And what comes with sunlight? Radiation, radiation right? <laughs> and so wrinkles, right? <laughs> the radiation causes the wrinkles, right? So, but you have ultraviolet light. You got all, all spectrums of light, which a lot of that could have been filtered out prior to from the canopy. Yes? Is there any speculation um, as to possibly these people were taller, a lot taller than we are, say, I don't know, 10 feet tall or something? I look at some of the archaeology, uh, the altars that they built, and it's like, what if, you know, if I'm six foot tall, the altar is 12 foot high. It's like, yeah. why would they, how could you, you know, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I, that I don't know. I mean, so we do know that there were giants in those days because in, uh, uh, when, Joshua was sending in the spies into uh, the land. They were supposed to come back and report. And so of the 12 spies, two came back and said, hey, we can take them. Ten were afraid. Why? He said, because there were giants in the land. 
And so they were definitely had some people that were bigger. Why? We don't know. But then there's also uh, speculation uh, that they were um, kind of, uh, well, I don't want to bring that one up. That was prior to the flood. So, um, but yeah, they, I mean, they're bigger. Is it, there's different, different, you know, groups of people who are taller, right? And there's different groups of people who are shorter. But I don't think the Jews themselves were were are particularly giant. Although, what about uh, uh, the first king of Israel? Yeah. They chose him because he was tall. <laughs> right. One thing is, remember, is it's okay to conjecture, but don't ever turn a conjecture into a doctrine. Right. The Bible stops. Stop in terms of. Yeah, doctrine. we don't know why. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's curiosity, it's of interest, but yeah. it's not important. Yeah, don't know <laughs> for sure. It, it, the Bible is sufficient. So let me, uh, I just, with this, I want to give you a quick, uh, um, um, quick description of the fact that you can actually see uh, the, um, uh, what can we see? We can see the gospel in the first, in, from, from Adam to Noah in the translation of their name. So what does Adam mean? Man. Man. Yeah. Adam means man. And let me see if I can find this in here. Yeah. So Adam is man. Uh, Seth. Seth's name means appointed. Enosh means mortal, frail, or miserable. Kenan means sorrow, dirge, or uh, elegy. And uh, the precise denotation is somewhat elusive. Some study aids unfortunately presume Kenan is synonymous with Canaan, which it's not. Um, and then uh, Mahalel, Kenan's son, uh, from Mahalel, which means blessed or praise, and the L at the end means the name for God. So then Mahalel means blessed God. And then Jared um, is, comes from the verb Yareth, meaning shall come down. And then Enoch, which means teaching or commencement. So he's the first of four generations of preachers. In fact, the earliest recorded prophecy was by Enoch. Um, and then Methuselah. So Enoch was the father of Methuselah. And uh, we've already mentioned Enoch walked with God, or we haven't mentioned but Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. So apparently Enoch received the prophecy of the great flood and was told that as long as his son was alive, the judgment of the flood would be withheld. The year that Methuselah died, the flood came. And then e Enoch, of course, never died. He was translated, or if you excuse the expression, he was raptured, right? The first rapture. So, um, and that's how Methuselah can be the oldest man in the Bible, yet he died before his father. His father didn't die. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. Anyway, okay. Uh, and then Lamech. Uh, Lamech is the root. Uh, still evident today in our own English word lament or lamentation, which means despairing. What does Methuselah mean? Methuselah means um, whose death shall bring. And then, uh, yes, so Lamech means uh, uh, lament, lamentation. And then Noah uh, means to bring relief or comfort. As uh, yeah. Lemek and self explain So then if you put all of those together and just add the necessary um, attachment words, 
then you can call it here. It goes like this. Man, that's Adam, is. You got a word add. Add the word is. Man is appointed mortal sorrow. So you got, that's Adam, Seth. Um, and then you got to add. But the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. Then you have Shem up there. What is his name? Shem. Did I get Shem or Seth? <laughs> Shem. No, Shem is after Noah. He's not part of verse 10. So, I mean, the first. The, so, from Adam to Noah, literally, the translation gives you the gospel. Right? So, yeah, and there's, uh, there, I mean, there's only <laughs> one that, that difficult one to actually uh, translate. And um, that was the one that kind of sometimes people mistake it as being some, something connected to Canaan, which it is not. So, anyway, I just thought that's kind of interesting that in the first 10, uh, is that 10? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 generations from Adam to Noah. And you translate that. And these are direct descendants. And then you translate those out. You actually get the gospel. All right. So then. Uh, okay. So in this, this slide, you actually see uh, more of the ages of each one, how they overlap, and then where in the, in the biblical timeline this is and what's going on in terms of um, uh, in individual empires and where we're at. And so you go all the way up to kings in each one of these in the Bible is related to, or each one of these time zones is related to uh, a part of the Bible. So you got like the time of the judges is here, the time of kings, and then uh, pre-flood, pre-flood, flood, and and uh, the world after the flood. So notice the ages on this side. This is where you can see how how long they live, and then here's the flood, and then look at heaven. So Shem, uh, after they, they just start paling, raining, and then you get down here. Nahor lived 148, Terah, and then Abraham, 175, and then, then you're all the way down here. Joshua, 110 years. And now where are we at? What's our expected life? We're in the mid-70s. Yeah, mid-70s. Yeah, mid women like 80, right? Yeah. So, And then uh, this slide here just it gives you the, uh, just prior to uh, Christ in the uh, the various empires there, and I had to blank this part out because, or I got this this slide from a Seventh Day Adventist, oh. and so this part was uh, was heretical. Yeah, the, the other part was good. So, so anyway, okay, we got to hurry up. We're gonna run out of time here. So, um, when we look at the Bible, what's the importance of God's word? Well, the word of God is active. Living and active and sharpening any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, right? So you're either in the word or you're in the world, right? You're in the word or you're in the world. And so what four things does God's word do for us? Well, it's the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul, right? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making Wise, the simple, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, and the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Okay, so then, application. Based on what you learned about the Bible, what should your response be? Should be to read it, study it, meditate on it, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to use it to speak to you and to help you to understand it, memorize it, obey its instruction, be blessed by its promise, and allow the Holy Spirit to bear witness 
uh, to you that you are indeed one of God's children, one of God's elect, right? So then, uh, at a glance, here's how we, uh, 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 Old Testament, New Testament, and then here's how we got the Bible as it came to us, right? So, uh, original manuscripts, and then here you have uh, the Vulgate, so Jerome translated into Roman, or Roman, yeah. And then, uh, sorry, not Roman, but Latin. They use Latin. And then it goes down here, and then it's uh, various, again, they use original manuscripts, and they use a Latin translation, and you get the uh, first Bible printing here by William Tyndale. Okay, and then after that, uh, you've got some other things going on in the King James 1611. And then again, all through history, you're finding additional manuscripts that kind of correct the original translations with better, I guess, yeah, better, uh, using a better word translation, not changing anything scripturally or uh, within the actual story that's going on, but better just slightly better. Manuscript basis. Yes, manuscript basis, yeah. So, and uh, we have over 6,000 manuscripts today. Now, that no original manuscripts exist, but 6,000 6, um, manuscripts that have been dated back to early, early part of uh, the Christian uh, church. And then you also have the Dead Sea Scrolls, which date date back to um, 800 BC, 800 B 600 BC or something. But it, it, you have a complete book of Isaiah in there, which is simply identical to what we have. Okay, what about the hidden books they're called? The Apocrypha. What is the Apocrypha? They were never ex accepted by the Christian church until the Catholics accepted it in uh, the Council of Trent. Right. So if you're very late to accept If you're a Catholic, then you have a Catholic Bible, you'll have the Apocrypha books in there. But uh, they were never accepted as inspired because they never quoted in the, they're never quoted in the New Testament. They lack the endorsement of the ancient Jewish writers. Uh, the content is not consistent with the truth and they don't have any prophetic power. And they well, don't claim to be inspired. Right. The book of Enoch's quoted in the Jude, right? Well, not the book, but a... The line from his book. A, a, well, a line, yeah. So well, it's never quoted, so that's just kind of interesting. It is but it may not quoted. be quoted. They may be quoted it, both from a separate source. Right. It doesn't mean that it came from the Apocrypha. Right. So that's to say that we don't have necessarily... So here's the thing. Did that book quote Enoch, or did Enoch write the book? And so when it says that Enoch is quoted, well... Yes, Enoch is quoted, but that is a quote that has been uh, by, what do you call it? Carried, carried forward by, by, you know, in the Jewish histor historians. Uh, and so they can quote Enoch from that, but it's not saying they're quoting from the book of Enoch, because the book of Enoch may have just, they quoted something from Enoch. Yeah, Jude's not saying, and from the book of Enoch. Right, right. He's just saying he's quoted something from Enoch. Yeah. And so when we look at Enoch, that quote also, where did that come from? Who gave it to them? Who gave it to Jude? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. But what else? Who else might have also given it to him? Was Jude with Jesus? Yeah. So you have Jesus for three years teaching his disciples, right? And then what happens? Jesus says, when I go, I will send you another, the comforter, and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So he's with them for three years. He's pouring into them scripture, uh, you know, the Old Testament, everything that he knows. And he tells them the Holy Spirit's going to bring to remembrance everything I told you. And that's why we can have 
fishermen who are uneducated writing the books of the Bible because Jesus taught them specifically and the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance all that he had said to them. I wish that happened to me. Somebody would bring to my remembrance. Well, they didn't just, I mean, they weren't just remembrances. I mean, God told them specific, the Holy Spirit. Yes, in, in addition to, right? gave them the word. It wasn't right. their take on it. No, no. So Jesus gave them, right. so Jesus gave them the history. Jesus taught them the whole Old Testament, everything. In addition to that, the Holy Spirit, which brought to their remembrance everything Jesus said, also gave them um, words. additional words to say, right? Yeah, because they were, they were, or receive, oh, here's one. Okay, well, and we'll get to this later, but um, a word of, you've heard of a word of knowledge, you know? Somebody was given a word of knowledge. And there's a couple of uh, ways to interpret that. But one is this, is that how did Peter know that Anna and, Anna and Sapphira, how did he know that they bought a piece of property and sold it for and sold it for an amount and gave the church less? How did he know that? The Holy Spirit told That's right. So he was given, he was given yeah. knowledge that was not available any other way. Before Revelation, because... That's right. And so you have other examples of that, too. Yeah. But we, and we'll get to that when we get to that. So anyway, review. No, wait. Did I go back? Here we are. So we covered today, then, the Old Testament, the New Testament, Christ in the Bible, why the Bible is important, and its application. Three times nine is 27. That's right. Any questions? And then, and, and then don't forget, go eat popcorn, right? Galatians, Ephesians, yeah, Colossians, and, and Philippians. Any questions? Okay, so the next week, then, we'll cover the inspiration of the Bible, the canonization of the Bible, and the believability of the Bible. So by next week, you want us to have filled out um, section one in our book with the memory verse? Uh, so yeah, the memory verse, um, you, you go ahead and memorize that, and then we'll write that down, because next week uh, at the end of class, I'll give you a quiz, and that's for lesson two, okay? That just precedes, so the quizzes precede, not, it's not after. And what it does is that you write on there, answer the quiz, and then it helps me to focus on what to teach. That's all it is. It's not like graded or anything. But then on the back of that, you'll be able to write the memory verse. Okay? And then if you have the paper, your, your homework, whatever, I'll take it now. If you have it, otherwise, I'll take it next week. And, I, and it's, it's important to turn all your homework in because if you don't turn it in, you're not going to get a certificate. And a certificate of completion, you're going to put that on a wall right above your PhD. Uh, what, what, what was the homework? The homework is chapter one. Okay. Just, okay. just do all that, whatever you, you know. You what? Oh well, that's fine. That's fine. So yeah, either way, I, I'll, I'll, if you have it, I can take it now. Otherwise, I'll take it next week. So. next week you want to turn in chapter two then. No, just chapter one, and I complete. I, I collect the homework after the lessons. So when we get done with lesson two, I'll collect lesson two. So that'll be in two weeks. All right. Thank you, guys. Let me pray for us real quick. Sorry. Father God, thank you so much for the time we had this morning, just learning about uh, how you delivered the Bible to us. And with that knowledge, Lord, help us to just feel um, just in awe of the fact that you have over, over the 1,500 years, through so many, so many men that you have uh, prepared, Lord, and through the Holy Spirit, uh, delivered to us what we have today, the complete uh, history of the world in terms of what you've created about man about sin and about redemption and help us lord to um just to understand that and live by it and we ask this in jesus name amen